Hey, and welcome to the Strategy Sessions, Episode 8, Season 2, but also, importantly, it is the first episode of 2022. So, Happy New Year, but it's, well, it's what, the 18th of January today? Probably a little bit too late for Happy New Year territory, but if you do want to wish me happy birthday, it's on Sunday. Please send me lots of nice things, chocolates, and, well, you know, anything else that a rather balding middle-aged chap might like. You're not here to listen to me talk about my birthday. You're here to listen to Ash Young talk about carmats.co.uk. Ash will get into all the juicy details, but I really wanted to bring on what is a really interesting direct-to-consumer brand because there's a great story behind this. Ash was sat there twiddling his thumbs during the first lockdown thinking, what the hell am I going to do with my time? And he decided there and then that he was going to launch a carmats business. There's a little bit more to it than that. But you might be thinking, carmats.co.uk, is this really very interesting? Well, if you've heard of many other lockdown businesses that went from no business in March last year to turning over four million a year now in January 2022, um, yeah, please send them my way and I'll get them on the show too, especially if they do more interesting products. But until then, have a listen to Ash Young talking about carmats.co.uk and how he turned it from an idea into an empire. Here we go, Ash. Today, I am joined on the strategy sessions by Ash Young, the founder of carmats.co.uk and Evoluted, an agency based in Sheffield. Ash, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Really good. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. You are the man with the best ceiling we've had on the show so far. So um, thank you for having us inside your uh, inside your new house. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm, as you said, I'm the founder of uh, Evoluted and carmats.co.uk. So um, I've been in digital for a long, long time. Um, I, I got, got into the sort of the, the web essentially when I was very young, um, and when I left university, I kind of that's all I really wanted to do. So I've never had a real job, which I, I absolutely love. I've only ever done this uh, for for clients and for for myself. Um, and, and and really, I just love I love trying things out and seeing what works. In and and that's why I get the. The, the passion comes from actually, you know, figuring stuff out, learning how to do something and then going and applying it. Brilliant. Well, look, tell us a little bit about the evoluted journey and how you you grew that business. But we are going to spend the bulk of today talking about Carmats, um, yeah. a, a seemingly dry product. And I don't, I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not <laughs> trying to rain fine. on your parade or piss on your chips or anything like that. It's fine. But it's quite a dry product, but a really, really fascinating story. So, uh, tell us a little bit about Evoluted first, then we'll, we'll we'll bore everyone to tears about CarMats afterwards. Yeah, I'll be really quick on the Evoluted stuff. So yeah, so we're a digital agency based up in, in Sheffield. Uh, so we're a full service agency. So we offer design dev and all the digital marketing services. Obviously, you can check us out. You can see what we've done for, for the CarMats business. Um, and that's what we do for clients, basically. Brilliant stuff. Um, and look, yeah, so please do check out Evolute's website. There's a link in the show notes. And um, Ash, as you can see from here, is a lovely chap. So if you do want to work with them, click the link, get in touch. Um, but look, so let, let's talk about carmats.co.uk. You, um, you're one of those hateful people, right? You know, when when the first lockdown came, I I started watching documentaries on Amazon Prime changing my sleeping habits, making confident predictions that the pandemic would be over in six weeks and I didn't really need to worry about it. I got that massively wrong. Some people started learning languages. Some people started um, doing all sorts of new things and crafty and sourdough baking and banana breads and all that. You started a business and I hate people like you. Uh, so <laughs> tell, tell us what happened. Were you just bored one morning and thought, right, that's it, I'm going to start a business or is there a little bit of a longer term plan in this? there's a little bit of a longer term plan and i suppose it's it was happening a little bit on the run up to to, to, to lockdown the first lockdown um so, so really we do a lot of work for clients we do great work for clients evoluted but i want to be able to, to to do that for ourselves and actually show that you know we've got what it takes um and it's very different running a, an e-commerce business for yourself than it is marketing a client's business you get to learn a lot more um, you get a lot more involved in a lot of the decisions that clients essentially try and keep you away from, and they don't want you to get involved. They only want to give you some information, not all the information. So we, well, I really wanted to um, do something from start to finish that was ours that we could point to as a case study. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted something that, for, for me, was, was a new business, a new adventure, something, something to get my teeth stuck into. Yeah. 
brilliant. And that look, running an agency, especially an agency the size of Evolute, it is a fairly all-consuming full-time sort of gig, right? And yeah. uh, but it, you know, carmats.co.uk, while is a clients of Evoluted, I think I'm right to say, it is actually still a separate business that needs its own looking after. So, for example, I saw on social media you were manning customer service all across Christmas. So it, it is effectively you, you are doing two full-time jobs. Is that broadly where you're sitting at the minute? Uh, yeah, I, probably not doing two full-time jobs. Uh, the team at Evoluted are absolutely awesome. And one of the things that we've built as, as we've grown over the years is we've got a great management team in place. Mm. Um, so Georgia and Sam, who run the, the marketing and the development teams, Evoluted are doing an amazing job. And they take a lot of my, the load off me, which is great. I think the lockdown also really helped that I had the time to focus on karma. So that, that first lockdown... You couldn't get clients on the phone. They didn't want to speak to you because they were dealing with their own issues and their own business about how do they get their staff working at home? How do they get their IT to work? So actually that gave me loads of time because I normally talk to clients, essentially spend most of my time doing. So I had a lot of time to really focus on, on the CarMats business and get it off get it off the ground basically, which, which really helped. But yeah, these days I do try and split my time. So I have big blocks of time in my diary where I try and split it between both businesses because as, as you say, like the CarMats business now, We'll turn over about four million pounds a year. That is a business in its own right. That's a, that's a hell of a lockdown project. So so before we get to the, the, the big juicy numbers of four million turnover this year, take us right back to the beginning. Um, so firstly, why CarMats? Why not um, anything else? Why not you know, windscreen wipers or whatever? And secondly, it, tell us about how, where you got CarMats.co.uk from because I think there's a bit of an interesting story in that as well. Yeah, so why car mats, I suppose, is um, it's a boring product, like you said. It's, it's a utility product. Everyone, everyone needs car mats. Everyone that's got a car uses car mats. They don't really think about them until they need them. Um, but it was an industry that I suppose we kind of came across at Evoluted quite a few years ago when we worked with a client in the sector. So we got introduced to the sector, which is one of the bits I absolutely love about Evoluted is getting out there, meeting new people, meeting new businesses, and finding out about industries that you never knew existed. That's it. Same here. I'm never happier than in the opening couple of sessions with a client where you go, like, right, tell me all about ball bearings <laughs> or you know, <laughs> all of these bits. I'm like, oh, wow, this yeah. is amazing. And you're just like, there's a whole world here that I never knew anything about. That, that's it's, like the it, highlight. It is amazing, life. isn't it? Yeah. We, we, had oh, a, we had a bearings client as well. It's just like fascinating. I, like, li, li, listen, me, me and you are the same kind of boring, right? I, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love it. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so really it was, it was an industry I knew about. So for, for me, it's an industry where actually the competition wasn't tip-top, no offence to the competitors. Um, so there was a lot of scope. There wasn't anyone there absolutely killing it. Um, but then I managed to actually secure the domain name carmats.co.uk, which made it a no-brainer, right? So the kind of story behind that's that's kind of quite convoluted. Um, there used to be a site on that domain years ago selling carmats um, from Northern Ireland. And beautiful place. Beautiful place. Yeah. It was now defunct, just didn't go anywhere. And I used the domain tools, um, who is history because of GDPR, you can't see any contact details now, but if you use the domain tools, who is history, you can see it pre GDPR, mm -hmm. found a phone number and basically just started calling people and getting passed on to other people. It's not us. It's this guy managed to finally get the chap that owns the domain on the phone. And we just did a deal. Brilliant. And yeah, that was that was the best like five grand or whatever that I've ever spent. I think. <laughs> so, so if you um, look back, at, if you're listening to this and you, you've been in SEO for a little while, um, you, you might be thinking that, you know, carmats.co.uk, you don't need a keyword rich domain anymore. And if you're not in SEO and you're listening, you're thinking, what the hell is he talking about? They used to be going back into the good old days. Uh, if you wanted to sell something, you wanted to have the domain that said the thing that you sold, right? But but there's, there's different reasons why you wanted that domain. Yes. I mean, obviously, it's great that obviously all the links now, and everyone talks about the business, it's an automatic link back. Brilliant. Um, but the reason that we really wanted it is it's, it's that brand identity. So... If you're carmats.co.uk, you've instantly got some sort of authority in the consumer's mind. Mm -hmm. You've not got a really long, strange URL. You are the site to buy carmats from. Yeah. Just, just from the domain. Yeah. I, I love the, I, I'm not even going to call it a resurgence because brand, brand has always been a really important tool um, in, a, in a market that's box to play with. And 
I, I, I think what, what is a resurgence is the fact that people in more technical roles are starting to realize that. I'm not saying you didn't realize that, but you know, if you talk to people in SEO or PPC or um, even social media to an extent over the last 10 years, quite, you know, it's a brand. It's just that that's the fluffy thing that people talk about when they don't know what they're doing or when they don't want to measure ROI. Yeah. Are you sure that's what brand means? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people with a misunderstanding of the concept of brand um, telling you it wasn't important. But it's, it's more about that. Just it's an obvious association. That's what you were looking for with uh, car mats. It's, it's, yeah, the, the obvious association. But you, you're right about brand there. So a lot of car mats that are sold are unbranded. Mm-hmm. If you go look at the car mats in your car, there won't be a brand on them. Yeah. Um, and actually, we now brand all our car mats. They all go out with our big shiny logo on them, which some people don't like. But for us, it's a, it's a net positive. You know, we get a few detractors, but actually getting our brand out there and becoming that de facto name for car mats is mm. it's worth its weight in gold. Yeah, the number one place. And allows you to charge a premium in the end when you when you get to that point of being the place to go for it. So, yeah. um, now, I'm assuming uh, when you started working in the car mats industry, you um, weren't making them... You didn't get the, uh, the family in the garage and starting to produce car mats on a, a sewing yeah. machine and running that up. So as a, a marketer and a man who runs an agency, um, what was that like having to sort of roll your sleeves up and get into involved in production and sourcing and, and all that sort of stuff? It, it, it was an interesting like month or two when I was trying to find a supplier. Um, so I literally just went to Google. And this is the question that I get probably asked the most is actually, you know, how did you find a supplier? Because that's not the obvious bit, right? In digital marketing, we, we, we know how to do the marketing bit, but how do you actually go and find someone to, to supply your products? So um, I, I did what any marketer would do, I think. I went to Google, <laughs> Google manufacturers, and just went down the list, basically. Um, and quite a few of them weren't interested. They didn't want to know. Um, I had one company say to me that they gave me some pricing, and I, I basically said to them, well, the pricing you've just given me is essentially what you're selling for retail. Mm-hmm. So that, that, doesn't, that obviously doesn't stack up, doesn't make any sense. And said, yeah, we don't really want to supply you because we don't want any competition. So it's a very strange, it was, it was a very strange experience trying to get out there and find a supplier. Yeah, yeah. but as a manufacturer, they didn't want a retailer selling their products. Uh, yeah, so they manufactured, but they also sold direct to consumer as well. So they did right. both sides of it and they didn't gotcha. want more retailers basically. Okay. Um, and now I'm assuming you're wiping the floor with them. Oh yeah, we, we sell more car mats than they do now. Yeah. yeah, funny that. So oh well, look, you know, um, yeah, great, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, well that that has actually been like the, the manufacturing side is probably the bit I find the hardest. Mm-hmm. So we've got a great manufacturer, we've got a really good relationship with them now, but because we had such amazing growth, which was, I, I suppose I didn't I didn't expect the growth that we were going to get so quickly. It caused no end of problems on the manufacturing and the production side of things. So everything's made to order. So you place your order on the site, it goes to our manufacturer and they'll dispatch it within a few days and get delivered to your door. But we ramped up from doing sort of no orders a day to 150, 200. And then during during the lockdown Black Friday, we were doing like 500 orders a day. And they just, they just couldn't cope, obviously, because it's manufacturing doesn't move quickly. No. And, and, and the, the, there's a there's a supply chain involved you know the, the supply yeah. chain is called the supply chain for a reason is that when you start to scale up there's issues with that because they need to order raw materials raw materials are often not made in the place where the products are made and they need to be shipped through and that was probably about the time that the was it the Everglade or the Everrun or whatever got stuck in yes, the canal? So everybody was having some, like, you, you know, you know, I run a car mats business um, based out of Sheffield. Yeah. What, what's the Suez Canal going to cause me? Problem? <laughs> Funny, no, <laughs> it does, right? You know, so there's a whole supply chain issue of things that as marketers, we just generally don't worry about, do we? It's just like, ah, yeah. just click that and people buy it and that's the shit done, right? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And you, you just don't think about it. And that's what causes the big issues is actually how do you scale it in a way that, doesn't cause problems mm-hmm. and also there's that whole side of things of like um my supply is great but staying on top of what's happening making sure that they are delivering in the time frames we need to and making sure that oh, hold on we're getting behind do we need to turn orders down and then you become that client that's like oh yeah you're doing really well with the sales but actually can we just turn it down a little bit because we can't, <laughs> can't keep up <laughs> but it, it's true and I, and I think sometimes as marketers we we, we sit in the number of times I've heard people say, oh, well, you know, if we were too busy, that'd be a great problem to have. 
and I, I understand where that comment comes from, but it's not actually a great problem to have. A problem is a problem. Having too many sales is, is just as big a problem as not having enough sales. And yes, it's a problem that comes with buckets of gold along with it as well. But angry customers suck in time. They're sucking effort. They affect future sales because you get bad reviews. Yep. And yeah, I, I get that. When you, when you have no sales, I get why you would rather have the problem of having too many sales. I fully understand that. But problems are problems, regardless of whether they come from one side of the house or the other. So how did you deal with that? Were you kind of leaning on the suppliers, working with them, trying to find new ones, just tethering demand? What, what was your approach to it? So, so the big issue with uh, the car mass production is um, the machines they're cut on. So they cut out rolls of carpet and a machine can only cut so many car mats a day. So actually to increase production, you need a new machine installed, which is a big expense for them. Which is CapEx. So, yeah, yeah. They need someone to man that machine. And then they then it's all the sewing to finish them by hand where they need trained professional people to, to finish the product. So it's, it's a hiring issue. Mm -hmm. um, so we worked with them really. Um, and, and to be fair to them, quite quickly they realized that, hold on, this is, this is going to go somewhere. So we want to we take this seriously. And they, they did put out together a plan of, right, here's how we can increased volumes mm -hmm. um but it was only after uh, the, the shirt at the wall basically and we were like oh great so it was the run-up to christmas last year uh, sorry year before last um we had to stop selling for christmas on something like the second of december or something ridiculous because we we weren't convinced that anything we'd sell beyond that time would be delivered in time for christmas and that must be excruciating for a business owner to look at um peak yeah. time of year this is the golden yeah. quarter this is where we're going to do our oh we got to pull up the drawbridge and not sell anymore. Um, but so did you just chalk that up as to a very costly lesson for the business? Yeah, it was, it, it was a costly lesson. Sales, sales were, in some ways, if you think about it, if we had a constrained production, we would only have done those sales over a longer period. So it probably didn't cost us a huge amount um, because we could never have delivered those so, additional yeah, orders. Yeah. What I'm what I'm thinking at the minute though, now you're talking about Christmas presents of car mats. Give me let, let's put our marketing hats on for a minute and give me your your buyer persona, um, or maybe your your consumer persona. Right? Who who are the people out there who want car mats for Christmas? Because if someone bought me car mats for Christmas, while I would probably say thank you to their face and go, oh, that's lovely, Red. I'm really thoughtful of you. Thank you. As they yeah. left the room, I'd be just like. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, who wants uh, car mats for Christmas? Tell me this, Ash. I've, I've got, I've got two personas that buy car mats for Christmas, right? So maybe three. So one is um, like middle-aged man, Keith, say, um, and he he wants car mats for Christmas. So his wife might buy him car mats. I'm only yeah. laughing because as soon as you said middle-aged man who likes car mats, the one person in my mind who came to mind was called Keith. <laughs> Hi, Keith. Yeah. So Keith, Keith would like to have car mats for Christmas, so his, his wife buys him car mats. But then that also flips the other way, right? Because Keith would like car mats for Christmas, Keith mistakenly buys his wife car mats for Christmas, which happens quite a lot. Oh, no. Yeah. Right. And I, I look at those orders and I go, you're not going to have a good Christmas day, mate. <laughs> do you, but is this not an opportunity do you not have like could you not go back to them and offer them a cancellation service listen you know like the, the christmas elf ashy's christmas elf listen mate <laughs> your wife doesn't want car mats for christmas you've just paid 50 quid you can cancel the order for foot and you will refund you 40 quid and you're just making a tenner for sending them an email and saving their christmas it would be the best 10 quid you'd ever spent yeah they might get a bit offended by it though <laughs> <laughs> better to be offended by you on the 2nd of December than be slapped by the wife on the 25th of December, surely. True, true. It's, a, yeah, it's a service. That, if you were yeah, truly uh, customer-oriented, that'd be what you'd be doing. Yeah. And then the third one is um, like parents buying for their younger kids when they're like just about to pass their test or about to get a car or... Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, there you... And is that the same, that's your Christmas personas or is that kind of all-year-round personas or the rest so, of the time... The all-year-round... It's one of those products that anyone buys. So the persona is, you know, you can, um, there, there's a few different personas. It's for, for us, it's not really about the personas. It's about the life events that trigger someone to buy car mats. Okay. So our customers pretty much evenly spread across, um, age, sex, etc. There's no actual 
from what we can see there's no sort of like core buying persona mm-hmm. but what 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 does trigger it is actually why are they buying the car mats so it's either people who have just got a new car and need car mats to protect it people who have worn out their car mats mm-hmm. which is actually quite rare because car mat people wear out car mats and then just leave them until they've got literally got a hole in yeah. uh, people gifting and then the, the, the last one is my favorite one is people buying car mats because they're either selling or returning their lease car and they want to return it with new car mats so they don't get charged for new car mats. Right, because it's cheaper to buy them from you than have the garage stick the arm in for 400 quid for new car mats. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, I know that. I, I, um, I changed two tyres when I was handing a car back once for the same reason. And they still tried to charge me for the tyres as well. So um, <laughs> car garages being bastards. <gasps> who knew? Yeah, um, okay. yeah. so, so you, you've got, you, you know who buys and, and why they buy. So, so take us through the... You're direct-to-consumer business, your DTC business. So <laughs> take us through the journey, you, but you started from scratch. You, yep. you were not manufacturing and then flipping from manufacturing into to retailing. You were a new business. You, you were owning the manufacturing process, but not necessarily doing it yourself. So you started yep. off with no sales, but had to grow from scratch. So how did you go from you've got no customers, no visits, no business to turning over 4 million in a couple of years? Less oh, couple spend years. a lot of money on ads is the, is the short answer. Um, <laughs> the long answer is we we scaled it. So we tested. Um, in that first slice, we launched in May 2020. That first month, we launched the site and we, we did what I, I wish actually a lot of our clients would do is that we launched the site with nothing on it. So the only product that was populated when we actually launched it was Ford Focus. So you could buy, I think, four products on the site. We set up the rest of the site. So it looked like a real site, had a full menu, but none of the links went anywhere. Um, and we, we initially set about with some Google ad campaigns, uh, directing people in who were looking to buy Ford Focus mats straight into the product pages they're interested in to see what worked. And then we reiterated the... Uh, well, I say we, this was all me at this time. We, we changed all the product copy, imagery, and copy until we found something that resonated. Mm-hmm. And actually people started buying. So I remember those, that, that sort of first week, I was shitting myself because we weren't selling anything. And I'd kind of publicly at the time said, I'm going to do this thing. And I was like, oh God, I might not actually be able to do this thing. This is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Then, it, then it started to work. And I remember like coming bounding down the stairs in the morning, see the kids. And they're like, oh, guess how many car mats we sold yesterday? We sold three. <laughs> like so excited and that's how we iterated it basically so we did this we did the same for the whole of the ford range so we populated all that next and advertised all their models and then we did a few other random models to to check that we weren't missing a trick like the stuff we were doing only worked with ford owners Mm -hmm. um and then once we've done that we basically systematically just scaled out through every model and manufacturer let me jump in and ask a couple of questions here then so firstly why did you go with Ford first? Why not? Uh, I, I thought, look, Ford's a big brand, a popular brand, but why not say Vauxhall or Citroen or Volkswagen? What what was it about Ford that stood out to you? And sometimes, look, it just felt right is a perfectly good answer. But what, what was the reason behind it? Uh, so, so we went with Ford and actually we went with, with uh, Tesla, a Model 3 at the same time. And the reason we went for those two cars is that's what we had in the family at the time. I see. So from a product knowledge point of view of people saying... I don't know how to fit it or what's this, or we knew all the answers. Mm-hmm. And it also let us understand what sort of questions people ask and know confidently that we were telling them the right answer. And that then applies across everything, right? Yeah. Can I make some wild assumptions here? Um, is it you who drives the Tesla and your yeah. other half who drives the Ford? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, it, you kind of fit the profile of a Tesla driver. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> Business owner of a certain age um, and drives Tesla shop. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. It's, it's, it's fine. It's boring, isn't it? It's tax efficient, so I can't complain. Um, um, my second question is, is um, so it, common sense why you picked those two. And then I suppose, no, before I ask my second question, when you started scaling out to other brands, was there any science behind that or was it just based on, you know, what you thought were going to be popular? We, um, so Decker even did a load of keyword research for me to figure out actually um, what there was the most search volume for. Mm-hmm. And then we basically scaled it out in the order of the search volume. Yeah. Um, and did because... that match broadly the sort of sales? So, you know, were you finding... 
the more popular car brands, I think I mentioned Volkswagen and, and Vauxhall, were above the Peugeots and Citroëns and Kias, or, or was there a, um, anything that surprised you in there? It, You're like, oh, Maserati. It, it, yeah, it, it mainly does. What what is the outlier is where a brand doesn't supply car mats. So if you were to go and buy like a Golf or a, an A3, it'll probably come with car mats in it. Right. If you go and buy a Hyundai, you ain't getting car mats unless you pay extra. I see. So the search on some brands is noticeably higher because people have no choice but yeah. to buy car mats either from the, the dealer or from you. Gotcha. And uh, for the benefit of both our listeners in America, a Hyundai, I believe you call Hyundai, um, <laughs> in a rather hateful way of pronouncing the word. So yeah, anyway, moving on, moving on. The other question I had is about uh, your, uh, your, your pushing to ads. So you, you decided to launch with ads. Now, Launching with ads obviously involves spending money up front before you know sales are going to come in. How did you budget for that? Not as in where did you find the money from? How did you sort of get come to a figure in your mind that said, this is what I'm going to spend, I'm going to invest testing this business? Um, so the figure I came to was five grand because I was, I was quite happy with that. And actually, even if we spend the five grand and we found out that actually yeah, it's not working, we'd probably spend another five grand. It, it wasn't it wasn't unreasonable given what we'd invested in terms of time and resources mm-hmm. and to build the site. Um, in terms of like cash flow and stuff like that, I was quite fortunate that I had payment terms with my supplier. So from a direct consumer brand, I take the order, I get the money, I place the order with my supplier. And actually, I'm I'm generating free cash flow for a, a period, which actually helps scale the ads. Yeah, um, like Amazon, they're, they're another business that that do that. They uh, they have, I think they call it something like a negative cash flow, or something or other. They they sell the product, <coughs> excuse me, and pay the suppliers way after that, and it just that helps them bankroll doing various other things. So it's a great place to be if you are going to do that. Yeah, and, and it worked really well, and I think. The supplier bought into us from from day one. I think we, we then exceeded that, but it, because they bought into where we wanted to go and the numbers we were talking about and how we were going to get there, it, it meant that actually stuff like you know not having to to pay on order and actually getting terms made things a lot more achievable. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so as you scaled that, so you've you spent the money to test it. Then, did you quite quickly move to a more traditional model of? Um, customer acquisition costs and using that as your key metric for your ads? Um, so we've got a really simple product range. So actually we focus on a return on ad spend um, because we've got a unified um, margin across the products. Mm-hmm. So we've got a base margin. We know where we are. So we can target a return on ad spend and we know that across the range we're, we're good. Um, whereas if you were, I suppose, a, um, a retailer selling lots of different products, you know, it gets a lot more complicated, doesn't it? When you've got different margin requirements on different products, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, and we need it to be profitable from, from day one. So CarMats isn't, we do get repeat customers, mm-hmm. but we're not expecting people to come back every month. They might come back once or twice a year. Yeah. Well, uh, you, may, you may well be looking at my questions here because that, that, that was something I wanted <laughs> to talk to you about, about customers and data and loyalty, repeat purchases, because if you are spending... And ads play a huge part in, in your business at the minute. So if you're spending to recruit a customer, do you do anything to uh, to look at lifetime value, to drive repeat sales, to get them to recommend? How, how do you see that? Or is that kind of planned for the next two years? Um, so at the moment, we're taking a lot of data. Um, that's something that we really stepped up last year um, in terms of what, what data we take and uh, encouraging users to opt into marketing. So... Um, we now have a reg look up on the on the homepage, which is actually probably the most used area of the site. So you pop your reg in, you get your car map recommendations. Mm-hmm. We give you a nice little incentive to give us your, your email address. Um, and then at that point, we have your email address and your registration number. So we can we can sell you car maps until the, the cows come home via email. Um, but essentially we're not we're not massively monitoring lifetime value at the moment because we've grown so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that we're, we're starting to look at um, and starting to look at encouraging users to make repeat purchases where it might be a gift for family or so, so certainly around sort of like Father's Day for example it'll, it'll be a big one we're going to do a big push around Father's Day 
Classic because dad gifting. You classic dad gift. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. And a, a and CD of rock driving anthems or something like that to go with it. Precisely. And, <laughs> There's and, an add-on so, product. Get that in. Get that on your add-ons. Yeah. And and some of the things that have stopped us doing that and until more recently is things like we've not had the embroidery available. Mm-hmm. Because we scaled so quickly, we've not really been able to offer embroidery because we couldn't keep up with the demand we had. So we've only managed to, to squeak that out in, in November in time for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. But, but now it's a giftable product, right? Because you can put, you know, dad's taxi or whatever you want on the mats. Yeah, classic. Class. So tell, tell us about that. So you use Shopify as your, yeah. your tech stack sounds quite a grand term website partner. Uh, you use <laughs> Shopify premium or plus or whatever, pro or whatever it's called. Um, but that you, you use that for a reason. So tell us about those reasons, but also tell us about how you look at, uh, you've got different product ranges and upsells and on-sells and things like that within the business. Because if, if you go to carmots.co.uk, I would say, look, go and have a look at the site if you are interested in marketing, even if you're not going to buy any car mats, although you should do. Uh, I'm on a 10% commission. Is that right? For anyone who buys <laughs> using code hashtag yeah. strategy sessions. That's a joke, by the way. Um, <clears throat> but if you go and have a look at the site, because the way there's different products and different pre- premium-based products and upsells. So talk us through all of that. So, so Shopify first and then the upsells. Yeah, okay. and upsells. Uh, so, so I chose Shopify originally because I wanted to be able to do it all myself in lockdown. The team were busy doing doing client work and I wanted to be able to set up the site and get up and running. Um, and actually Shopify allowed me to do that. Um, so Shopify is great. Obviously it's, it's all hosted. It's, it's a software as a service. So you literally just, you, you can click a few buttons and you're, and you're up and selling. So from that side of things, it's brilliant because it takes away the, the infrastructure. But the other thing that really attracted me is the ecosystem and how many integrations there are so whether it be payment providers whether it be um some of the upsell stuff that we do it's all there available and if you do a bit of research you can find some really good partners and you know we've been using apps now for for a couple of years and they've they've been faultless basically so yeah shopify I'm, i'm a massive believer in shopify uh i'm a signed up like convert love it i think if we hadn't been using shopify i think it would have been harder to scale the business i saw something that um barry adams uh, the seo legend uh, and friend of mine posted on linkedin the other day about core web vitals and i'm not going to go down a, a technical rabbit hole about it but it was basically how certain websites perform against uh, core web vitals and shopify was miles in front of wordpress and had even gone in front of amp which was what barry was talking about was you'd be better using shopify than amp pages but it, it's interesting how i think a few years ago um maybe seven or eight years ago people you know seos were going don't use shopify don't use shopify it's crap for seo and there's obviously somebody that really pulled out all the stops really to to improve the product hasn't so you find it fantastic to use and you're a big advocate a big advocate i think from the seo side of things the team there are doing a great job they're making loads like even this the time we've had the site there's been loads of great improvements on the seo front um some of the new themes they brought out are so quick it's insane Mm -hmm. um and even our site it's there's areas that we want to make quicker, but actually you can go on most of the pages and they, they all load instantly. And there's a lot of data behind that site yeah. and yeah. you can't tell what's actually happening. And mm-hmm. one of the things I as think, well and things. Yeah. Great. Yeah. They, they don't get enough credit for sort of like the, the caching system behind the product pages and the site generally is insane. Mm-hmm. You, you can't tell it's there, but it, it is there. Yeah. Oh, and from a technical side, a lot of, uh, you know, people starting businesses, Maybe don't pay enough attention to that, but I think if you're going to take it seriously, it's a real key consideration, isn't it? As you as yeah. you start to scale a business, so you've gone from um, running a, a a business of high fiving over three car mats a day to you mentioned earlier doing five hundred yeah. a day, and you're on target to do four million in revenue. Is that right? Uh, four four million in revenue in year two. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty damn impressive i honestly pretty damn impressive bloody amazing right you're selling car mats and so are, are you do you wake up some mornings and go have i dreamt this have i been eating too much cheese is that what's going on or, or- it, it, it is a bit surreal when you think like hold on this you know two years ago we were there was no business yeah yeah it is it's, it's insane um but it's it, it's growing well and it's worked i'm just going back to the original the, the point you made about the, the upsell journey on the site it, it, it works because of that journey. So uh, a £20 set of car mats, there's, there's no money in selling a £20 set of car mats. No. 
um, our average order value is getting to start to touch over forty pounds. Brilliant. So we upsell a good proportion of our customers either directly on the product page where we show them all the options for their for their vehicle. So you can go right. I've got the right car. Now, what quality do I want? Um, and then you can also then customize. So you can choose trims, embroidery, heel pads, and various other bits. So it's a little bit, it feels a bit dirty. It's kind of like the Ryanair approach, right? Where you've got a product that will do the job, but actually mm -hmm. if you, you want to actually make it a bit nicer or a bit more a better experience, you need to add on to it. I, I would... Uh, I would respectfully disagree with your with your approach to that. Uh, not approach, sorry, with, with your take on that. Okay. What I think Ryanair do is they um, they strip essentials out of okay. the yeah. flight and charge you extra for them. What you're doing is you are providing an essential the, the essential product. So your baseline product yeah. does what you need it to do, and then yes, you can does. add on. You know, I if I would buy garments from you. I don't want them embroidered. I don't want colored trim. I just want something that's going to keep the shit off the, the, the floor of the car. That's all I'm interested yeah. in. Right? If I wanted to give them to the missus as a gift, I wanted a name embroidered and all that sort of stuff or to my dad, that, that's an add-on. That's an, a, a benefit. The way Ryanair strip out their uh, you know, baggage, for example, you're like, okay, yeah, you can have a seat for $9.99. That's wonderful. But who, I mean, I fly a lot and I, I, I fly a lot with just a rucksack and hand luggage. And even that's difficult with Ryanair. Yeah. Because they, they, they strip out a send, you know, it's like, oh, you can fly the seat, there's this price. But it's like selling shoes without shoelaces is what they do. So yeah, okay, I think there yeah, is a yeah. slight difference between the two that, you know, yet, yeah, you know, you have a premium product for people who want to pay premium prices if that, you know, if that's what if, you want. If that's them. Yeah. Um, and then actually, one of the things we've started doing in the last sort of like um, nine, nine months or so is we've started pushing those upgrades aggressively in the checkout as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so we use a, a really cool app called Order Bump that um, when you're in the checkout, basically pushes you up and encourages you to upgrade to that next quality. So once you've got everybody's order in and you've pushed people through the system and they've ordered whatever mats they're going to order, it, reviews play a big part in this for you. And I think that there's two reviews play a good part in lots of industries, but you, you talked to me about uh, off camera about um, an, an issue with some of the photography as well. That maybe is why orders play, uh, reviews play such a big role for you. Uh, yeah. So I think, um, well, there's a few things really. So like the whole customer journey post order is really important to us. And I think that's something that a lot of um, direct consumer brands and just retailers get wrong anyway. Um, so once you've placed an order with us, you you go through a whole series of emails. So we first of all email to tell you that your order's enter production. So you know something's happening. And some of these emails are also for our benefit, right? So it's to stop customers asking what's happening. Because yep. it can take up to sort of six, seven days for the order to leave the factory sometimes. So we want to make sure that customers know what's happening. So we send an email saying, you know, it's in production. A few days later, they get an email telling them it's in finishing. It's about to leave. They obviously get an email saying it's been dispatched with all the tracking links in and who it's gone with, etc. Mm -hmm. And then a few days later, when the mats essentially should have been delivered based on when they were dispatched, etc., they get an email asking that everything's okay with their order. So we do this to basically because we care, we want to know if there's an issue. And a huge number of people reply to that email. It's lovely. So we have those people that say. Yeah, got the mats are amazing. You've made my day, or my car looks mega. Thanks very much. But then you also get the people that go, well, actually, no, I've not had my mats yet, or I've got them and they don't fit. So it, it draws out, actually, it gives people an easy way to go, no, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And then you can solve that problem for them. Whereas otherwise, some of them might have just chalked up to a bad experience and gone and left a bad review in a week or two's time, or just gone away with a negative experience of the brand and then. When someone's saying, oh, I want to buy some car marts, they'll say, oh, don't buy them from carmarts.co.uk because, you know, I had an issue with them. Yeah. Well, they never, they wouldn't then go and do something about that issue. They'll just, they'll just sort of have a bad experience. So the classic British but, psyche, isn't it? Like, don't complain yeah. to someone who can sort it out, complain to everyone else who can't do anything about it. Precisely. Yeah. So we, so that one's, that, that is the email that gets the most traction for us. And then we invite everyone to leave a review. A few days later but by that point we've solved nearly everyone's issues yeah because they've had the plenty of opportunity to tell us there's an issue um and we also do things like 
my pet peeve with emails is when people and companies send out emails from no reply addresses. Yeah. Why? <laughs> like it's just unnecessary. So every email we send out, you can reply to, and it comes straight into our ticket system mm-hmm. and someone deals with it. Yeah. Um, so we do a lot on that sort of like post journey, but the reviews part is probably the biggest deal for us. So when I, when I launched the site, I knew that I wanted to get that sort of that trust factor of having the third party reviews. Um, so right from day one, we launched and we launched with reviews.co.uk. So we had them as our partner and we probably put the widget on the site. I think when we'd got like five reviews or something like that, just to, to start to, 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 to encourage people, we're knocking on 15,000 reviews now, which is absolutely amazing. And that at this point is such a huge trust factor. We've got 15,000 reviews, probably 14 and a half thousand five-star reviews that are all real and legit. And as a trust factor on the site, you look at that as a consumer and you look at that and go, all right, I can trust these guys. Yeah. Um, and now obviously, cause we've got so many good reviews, you, the people that have an issue, um, point to that and go, oh, I thought I could order from you guys because, you know, you've got so, so many good reviews. It's like, well, you know, problems do happen. <laughs> no one's perfect. It's, it's how you then deal with that. Um, but from a, from a review point of view, we kind of put those emails in place early on because that's the feedback we were getting. We were doing what everybody else was doing. We were doing the, get an email when it's dispatched, you get an, an, asked to leave a review. And people were giving their feedback as a review. Like, oh, I don't know. My mats haven't turned up yet. It's like, well, don't leave that as a one-star review. Yeah. Tell, tell that to us. Not, yeah, not yeah. 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 Um, so we worked really hard to basically draw that out of people so that we could solve that problem without them having to leave a review. Mm-hmm. And then when they go and leave a review, it's now a really happy one because their problem's been sorted out. Um, and more recently we've, uh, we've done some stuff on the reviews where we encourage people to name the team. So the ones that have interacted with our team, we ask them in the review form to name whoever you're interacted with. Mm-hmm. Starts to make it feel more personable that, you know, Kate was really good with me or Helen was really good with me or whoever it is. I was dealing with Ash and he missed off apostrophes in his email. <laughs> yeah. Or unfortunately, when you get someone that's really angry, they do go to town and, you know, slam you and that's normally me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's all right. As long as it's you, that's okay. That's it's fine. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and that, that's, yeah, that sort of journey for me is the review side of things, customer feedback and showing your potential customers that you can be trusted and you do deliver and you do essentially do what you say you're going to do. I mean, that's, that's, that's the bare bones of it, isn't it? Cause no one trusts anything these days. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. And tell us about another area of, of trust or mistrust perhaps is social media. Um, you, you obviously started with paid and, and you do put a lot of time into search. Do, does social play a role for you? Do you, was the re, what was the thought process behind it? If it does, or if it doesn't. Um, so we have social accounts. We don't, this is going to sound really bad. We don't really post organically on our social account because getting engagement with us is fucking hard. When I mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a disaster like, on social media. Nobody, I think Adidas don't post organically anymore, do they? Oh, well, I mean, people care about trainers. People don't care about car masks. You know, that, that's, that's the, the fundamental issue, isn't it? Is that people, people are, buy car mats from you they want them but they don't want to go and share or interact with your posts so we don't post a lot organically but we do do a lot of paid social mm-hmm. and that works pretty well and does that again without getting into the numbers and and, and the boring in and outs of it but does the the ROAS on paid social compare to google is it more or is it less does it change by channel what channels are you using give us a bit of a flavor of that um so in terms of ROAS um facebook and insta are probably better than Google. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly with the ads that we're running, a lot of it just obviously comes down on social to the creative. If you've got a bad creative, it's yeah. it's it's not gonna gonna work. And that's one of the things we're doing at the moment is we're getting a lot of user generated content produced. I was gonna say, do you, do you use reviews in that? Because uh, you know the, it's it's not the most photogenic of products <laughs> that you have. Um, you know, a, a good karma and a great karma and a shit karma all look broadly the same 
it, it's, it's, you know, it's a tactile thing, isn't it? It's in the feel when you get it. You, you can probably tell you go, oh, wow. But in a photograph, you can't really tell the difference between the, the 20 pound and the 40 pound, can you? Hugely. No. So, so we, we don't focus on the product um, specifications or benefits. We focus on, you know, the car mats protect your car, et cetera. We don't mm -hmm. focus on the individual qualities or anything like that. Because like you say, you can't tell that on the screen. Yeah. Um, but what we are using is a lot of the, the photos that, that customers give us when they leave reviews. So we mm -hmm. ask for photos and videos. Um, and we get we get quite a few of those. Some of them are awful. Some of them are like a nice new car mat with a muddy footprint in the middle of it. Real. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't use that, thanks. Um, so we use some of those photos. Um, we've just gone out to a, a whole load of people um, and essentially gifted them car mats to get good or better quality videos and stuff. Influencer like marketing. If you want to call it that. It is, yeah. it is. It, it is, is, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Well, it is. But I, um, yeah, I, lo I, I love the, the footprint. There's a couple of clients I've worked with where what the common agreement was was the worst creative ever the kind of the homemade looking stuff yeah outperformed the slick professional stuff the agency was putting together by a million miles and that yeah. realness of the muddy footprint in the middle of the mat i did test it test it man you're a tester that's what you do yeah I, it's something we will be testing um so we've got a few we, we're gonna do a few slick ones but then we're gonna get a lot of use of generated content the ad that we run the most at the moment is one that we filmed outside our office in like five minutes yeah it's literally just as putting a set of car mats into into Amber, evoluted into her car. Yeah. And it gets so much engagement. And you're probably right about the muddy one. So it gets loads of engagement because we didn't clean her car before we put the car mats in. Mm -hmm. So we got her taking out her old filthy car mats and putting the new car mats in. But the car, right, is still filthy. Yeah. So she gets loads of comments and actually some quite abusive comments about like, you know, how dirty the car is and should have cleaned it first. And it's like... I mean, but people on social media are assholes, right? I remember the, <laughs> um, the Queen's sister whose name I've completely forgotten, but anyway, Princess whatever her face is, um, is the patron of Scottish Rugby Union. And during lockdown, when there was nobody in the, in the ground, posted a picture on social media of her and her husband cheering on Scotland. I think it was in the Calcutta Cup against England or whatever, right? And she's the patron, she's getting on board, she's come on Scotland and all that. Half the comments are like, oh, well, you, your drawing room's a bit untidy. Look at how many books you've got piled up. It's like, <laughs> piss off and leave her alone. You know, I was like, oh, I thought royalty would be tidier than that. Have you not got anyone to tidy? I'm like, all right, so how's your perfect life doing? Bugger off and leave people that, alone. That, 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 is, that is social media summed up, isn't it? Yeah. Like you post something and someone will have a pop at you for it. Yeah. Although I am going to go on a social media rant now, sorry. The one thing that annoys me more than that on social media, I saw somebody saying Top of the Pops should be brought back. The BBC, as part of their licence fee, has to bring Top of the Pops back. And then underneath it, was a whole bunch of people of my sort of vintage and older complaining that pop music isn't as good as it used to be. And I mean, like, if there's one thing that boils my piss more than anything else, it's people getting old and complaining pop music isn't as good. It's like, no, you're just getting old. That's all. Yeah. Pop music is as good or as bad as it's always been. It's always been brilliant. It's always been shit. It's you that's getting old. Now, bugger off. Yeah. Sorry. Let me just come. Sorry. Do you feel bad now? I do. I do. I do. I've got that off my chest now. Um, Thank you. Anyway, so carmats.co.uk. Let's just get back to the subject matter. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that's been really interesting about this whole journey is you've been learning in public. You've been sharing a lot on social media. Um, how does that feel? You said at first, you know, you had that sort of awkward feeling of, oh, what if this doesn't work? But, um, mm -hmm. you know, is it still awkward, even though it's been a raging success to share and your learnings and your successes and your failures in public? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I plan to share, to be honest. I plan to share a lot more than I did. Um, I, I plan to do a lot more, but then as the business just went crackers, there was no time. Mm. So I just went straight out of the window, but I still share, I share things that are going well. I share things that haven't gone so well. I do enjoy sharing, um, customer reviews where, where people are, are laying into us and, uh, and mostly being unreasonable. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been, I had the fear at the start that it wasn't going to work because I said I was going to do this. I think I said I was going to get it to a million pounds in a year. And I had a, had a massive fear that, hold on, I'm going to fall flat on my face and, you know, I'm not going to do that. But as soon as I realized I was going to get close, it was happy days. And I, I really enjoy sharing and talking about what we're doing and um, how we're doing things. The only thing that's put me off a little bit is how many people then copy what you do. 
Um, but the people that are copying, they're never going to... Yeah. It, it many, really just annoys me because ultimately they're never going to do a good job because they're just copying what you're doing, right? How many car-mats.co.uk have been registered or taken up? <laughs> just like, oh. <sighs> yeah. So one there, someone sent me a new one today um, that launched at Christmas and uh, the, the chat behind it has done a, a TikTok video where he talks about how he's going to share his journey of launching a car mats business. I'm just like, all right, mate. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, uh, but the thing is, is that uh, to bring it to marketing again, people talk about competitive advantage and I'm not entirely sure competitive advantage exists in the way most people think they do. They, 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 there's the odd case study of major brands where you hear about competitive advantage, which makes people think if you get this competitive advantage, it lasts for eight years, 10 years while everyone else catches up. In most places, competitive advantage is so transient. It's like weeks or months you could probably measure it in. But the way you can truly get a competitive advantage is dragging in several different factors and putting them all together that then allow you to go ahead. So, you know, someone can copy your website, they can rip it off exactly and just sit and try and copy it bit for bit. But unless they've got the customer post-sales process, unless they've got the manufacturing built into it, unless they've got the delivery built into it and the reviews connected to it, then they're not going to close that gap hugely in a competitive advantage. And trying to copy several bits that come together to make like the golden circle of competitive advantage, that's really, really difficult to do. So you can almost give them the keys to the house if you like and go, yeah, go and copy it, go and copy it. And, and they can't because the reality is there's a lot of moving parts that come together to form what is this successful business. Yeah, well, I did a I did an interview with Dan Barker like in the early days where I like basically laid down exactly all the apps I'd used, what I'd mm -hmm. done, et cetera. And there must have been four or five people who have taken that as a playbook. Yeah. And like you say, they've got a website. That's it. You haven't got anything else that comes with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any um, idiot can build a website. And yeah. but building a business is a different thing. So yeah. And then they missed the what gets me is the fundamentals that people miss because they've not thought about it. They've just gone like, well, we're gonna do that. We'll look at what they're doing, we'll do the same. They miss all the stuff that's that's non-obvious. Yeah. And I, I say this to people all the time. Like I, I use the line, stop copying your competitors. They don't know what they're doing either. Um, but there's a little bit like you see people copying other things that people are doing. Like, oh, yeah, but you can see they've done this thing. Do you know if it worked? Yeah. No. Well, well, but why are you copying it then if you don't know it's been a roaring success? Oh, we know the business was a success. Yeah, but did that thing contribute to the success? Because not everything you've done over the years worked. Some things you've tried didn't work and you've stopped doing. And I just don't understand this obsession with copying, trying to take shortcuts. It's like, uh, I, I, I don't, it, it drives me party with clients. Like it sounds like it does for you when you sit down and they go, oh, we want to do this. And it turns to competitors doing it. You can feel my well. pain, can't you? <laughs> so you can feel us pain in this. In <laughs> yeah. It's like, if it's not going to work, why do it? So there's things that we've tried that we've looked at and gone, well, actually, we don't want to do that. So no, I'm going to take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, there's a lot of things you've learned over the time and I want to get into the point where I want to sing the top tip theme tune. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to throw that at you right now. Um, but do you have, uh, what I'm going to ask you for is a top tip for direct to consumer businesses, DTC brands who are maybe starting out that journey now. Um, there's a lot of things that you've looked at over the time. There's a lot of errors and mistakes you've made. So if you had one top tip for them uh, or one T-O-P-T-I-P, T-O-P-T-I-P, what would that be? So my top tip, I suppose, would be that customer service side of things. It sounds obvious, right? And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saying it, it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world. But when I go and look at, for example, some of the some of the guys that have come along and tried to, to copy the, the Karmat site, you go look at their reviews and they're getting hammered because they don't reply to emails. They don't understand the product. They don't treat people well. They don't treat, treat people fairly. So I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, understanding your customers, treating them well, responding to them. So one of the things that we don't really talk about is that we offer seven days a week customer service. You know, I replied to customer emails on CarMats on Boxing Day. There's not many of our competitors that even opened over Christmas, and there's certainly none of them that reply to emails at weekends. Whereas we realized early on that if you treat your customers well and respond to them quickly and you answer their queries, they buy into the brand, they buy into you, they recommend you, it, it all gels together. 
So for a, for a direct consumer brand, that's that's got to be number one. You get that right, and then any customers you're bringing in, you keep in sweet. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. No, I love that. And the the, the focus on your customer. I was I did a, a training session with with a company just the first day back after Christmas, and we were looking at how you build a an organization that is market oriented. As, as opposed to they're, they're quite product oriented at the minute and, and with good reason, right? You know, they, uh, and it's an easy place to slip into and they're a bit sales oriented as well, which is again, a very easy place to slip into, but they're trying to be more market oriented and things like that are absolutely the perfect thing to do. How do you put the customer at the center of everything that you're doing? So, yeah, yeah no, and, and actually over Christmas, cause I don't do a lot of customer support anymore. Um, I really enjoyed it because I was like, all right, you're having a problem with this or that's not very obvious or yeah. We need to fix this and actually I've come away from that with a list of things to go away and, and sort out. I know a few people who have relatively senior jobs in, in retailers, high street retailers who you would know of, and they're, that's relatively senior job. Sit at head office and drink lots of coffee and talk important at meetings, that type of thing. Um, and every year they go and spend a significant number of days out in the store with a shirt on, selling to customers, being part of the team and just hearing firsthand what that is. And those days are... Uh, you know, there's a little bit of symbolism involved with them, undoubtedly, having the top team coming down to, to do that. I get that. But there's a little bit of, let's hear firsthand the problem that the people who walk through the door have, yeah. because it's amazing what you learn from that. So so having your finger on the pulse or staying close to the coal face, I mean, you're in, you're in South Yorkshire, so let's, let's use that one, <laughs> staying close to the coal face, is really, really important, isn't it, to understand what's going on? Yeah, I think just having that knowledge and seeing firsthand, like, what issues are people having? Why can't people check out, you know? And we've done things over the years, like, from customer feedback. Um, I think at our basket, for example, it used to say check out, and then Shopify adds all the um, the payment options, so PayPal, Google Pay, Apple Pay, whatever it is. And um, we've had a couple of people not understand that they can pay by credit card by pressing check out. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to pay by those options, so how do I pay? And it's little things like that. So changing the wording of the button as a result of that. Yeah. But you would never find that feedback out any other way other than talking to customers. Never lose money talking to your customers. And that is a, a, a great place to sort of wrap up on. So like, I've also seen the time and I've kept you far too long. <laughs> so two more questions to finish because nobody gets away without these two questions. So question number one, what books, podcasts, newsletters, what would you recommend people read to uh, stay on top of DTC, marketing, whatever you'd recommend. Um, so I used to read a lot. As I've got busier, I've, I've got a bit lazy and I don't read as much anymore. So I, I, I turn to Twitter for, for my news of what's going on. And I listen to quite a lot of podcasts on, on, on the journey to work mm-hmm. uh, and, and the days that I go to the office, which is a lot rarer now. Yeah. Um, the, my, my favorite podcast is Marketing Freaks. Obviously, okay. except for yours, Andy. Absolutely. Right answer. Otherwise, this episode will never see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Marketing Freaks um, by uh, John Quinton, Overdrive Digital. That's that's really, really good. Um, he's uh, trying to have a bit of fun with it as well. He started to have uh, his podcast in the pub. Pubcast. Can't beat them. Cannot yeah. beat them. A uh, little bit of background uh, and an effect mic and ah, works works wonders. Yeah. Uh, but they're, 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 that's, that's a really good list. Then. And they sort of like deep dive into lots of different areas of um marketing basically as, as the title says marketing freaks it's brilliant yeah no, no and a new one to the uh, to the list as well so i'll add that in so thank you very much and then the last question that everybody gets asked is what one question do you usually get asked that i haven't asked you today well the question you haven't asked but i kind of like touched on a little bit earlier is how do you find a supplier how do you go out there how do you deal with the real world because marketers <laughs> right we've got to look at a screen if we can do it on a computer then it's amazing yeah. but how do you how do you find a supplier? How do you negotiate with a supplier? How do you do all of these things? Did they bring you down to the factory and show you around? Yeah, I have to, yeah. I've done a factory, done several factory tours. And... Yeah, manufacturers love that. Come down and have a look. And I, and I love it. I, don't, I think you get a sense for a place that you just cannot find unless you turn up, park in the car park, walk around, have them tell you about the product and rub it between your fingers. I love that. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we, um, we haven't because of COVID, but we're taking all our support team this year to the factories to basically understand the process you know how to treat a team how <laughs> hey, factory we're on a day out we're gonna go and look at carpets in a factory come on everybody there'll be people in london screaming going i told you bloody south yorkshire was horrible i think like, it takes them to a factory i bet they still have chimneys and stuff up there don't they it's yeah, all right london has come up north it's a beautiful part of the world much better than downtown. 
I remember the first time I went to the factory, it was really hot. And obviously factory is a hot place anyway, right? So it was a really hot day, really sunny. And there was a guy running a cutting machine, a really, really, really big lad, and he just had a high-vis vest on. I was like, you could probably do some more clothes on, mate. This isn't a good look. And not what we want to see as we're walking around the factory. Great social media content. That's it. Here I am on my TikTok video showing you around the factory. Oh, oh, oh. No, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it, that, that's the question that everyone asks me. That it's like, how do you find a supplier? And the answer is, is yeah, go and talk to people. Don't be like, pick up the phone. Don't email people because they get ten emails a day and they go into the junk. They miss them. Pick up the phone. You know, if there's someone local, happens. go and knock on the door. My, and do you know what I mean? You can tell you're not a millennial. You you use your phone for ringing people and you knock on people's door without texting them first to tell them you're coming. Wow! Yeah. Just, Imagine just go, just go, go visit. Like, yeah, if you can't get through, go talk to someone in reception and say, like, you want to do this? How do we do it? Yeah, brilliant. And I know. I honestly, old school. It's 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 my it's my school is the old school. So yeah, I'm I'm down with that. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, Ash, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And good luck with the next couple of years of carmats.co.uk and as the, your mission to 40 or 400 million um, becomes a reality. Thanks very much, Andy. Yeah, don't think we'll get to 400 million, but yeah, we'll see where we get to. Ambition. <laughs> Ambition. <laughs> Cheers, Ash. Thanks a lot. See you later. See you. Bye.